listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Like, let's, let's kind of move towards, towards the, the text that we have for today. In, in the lectionary, there are four texts that are used for today. There's one from 1 Samuel. There's Psalm 23, which we'll kind of end our time with. There's this passage from Ephesians 5. And then there's this kind of long section in John chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn there with me to John 9. I love this story. There's so much that's going on in it. I'm going to be reading certain parts of it and just kind of pausing here and there to highlight what I think I'd really like for you to hold on to today. It says this, I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. Now that's a pretty odd thing to say. You see a sick person and you say, well, how has this person sinned? Or how has this person's parents sinned? Pretty rough, I think. But in the Gospel of John, the last person that we saw who was sick was in chapter 5. It was a man who had suffered from paralysis. And Jesus had said to him, after he had been healed, stop sinning, lest something worse happen to you. What would be worse than being paralyzed 38 years? I'm not sure. But there does seem to be some kind of consequence that at least in John 5, the man's post-healing sin perhaps could cause something worse than the paralysis. It's a bit of a conundrum. But in any case, the disciples seem to have learned from that lesson that sometimes our sin does get us into bad predicaments, and they see this man who was born blind, and so they asked, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus, of course, said, well, sin and sickness don't seem to have anything to do with each other in this story. Picking back up in verse 4, it says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now that's, that's interesting. This really connects with some of the other passages from today. In Ephesians, it says that we are light. We are not darkness. We were darkness, but now we're light. And as children of the light, we are to kind of work for the fruit of the light. This is kind of a metaphorical understanding of light and darkness. It doesn't actually mean that Jesus can only do miracles during the daytime and at night he can't. But rather it's a reference to the difference between light and darkness, between goodness and evil, between the works of God and the works of the devil. It's, it's drawing this kind of stark kind of dualism a bit between that which serves life and that which kind of ends and kills life. Picking back up in verse 6, this is a great story. He says, When he had said this, he spat on the ground, and he made mud with saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, uh, and saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And he went and washed, that is, the blind man went and washed, and he came back to see, and he, came, and he was able to see, excuse me. And it says, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is him. Others were saying, no, it's someone who looks like him. 
He kept saying, I'm the man. It's me. I'm the one. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and spread it on my eyes. And he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and I washed and I received my sight. They said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. So I think this is remarkable. I think sometimes we see things with our eyes and we don't know what to believe. Even though we're seeing something, we have a hard time believing it's true. They knew this man. They knew that he was blind. They knew that he was a beggar. And yet when they see him and he can see, they think, well, this must not be true. Something else must be happening. Perhaps it's just someone who looks like him. It's the, it's the blind man's doppelganger, right? But that's not the case. And he's making this point, like, no, it's me. And they're like, well, how did it happen? And so he tells them the story. And so this is when the story starts to get kind of even more interesting, kind of religiously speaking. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Uh Uh-oh, Jesus is in trouble doing stuff on the Sabbath. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to him, he put, he doesn't say who, he put mud on my eyes. Then I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. So the fact that a blind man can now see apparently is not a sign of the work of God. But the fact that the person who did the work that produced the healing of the blindness is is a fact that he must not be from God because he did this on the Sabbath. I've got a lot more to say about that one, but but we'll we'll stick a pin in it for now and come back. It says then... um, But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It is your eyes he opened. And he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called his parents, the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked them, this is so interesting. So now the story is shifting again. This is what we do often, religious folks especially, but people in general. When when life comes at us and we can't make sense of it, we imagine it must be something else. There must be something different that's happening. It can't be what it looks like. And so they, they call the blind man's, or the man who had been blind, right? They call his parents and want to interview him because they don't believe that this man had been blind since birth, because now they're seeing him and he can see. In verse 19, uh, they asked him, or they asked them, this is the, the, the Jewish leadership asking his parents, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? And his parents answered, we know that this is our son, and we know that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees. Uh, You can ask him. He is of age. We we don't know how his eyes were opened. He will speak. Ask him. Ask him for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. 
Therefore, his parents said, ask him. He's of age. Look, as Christians, we have to be careful. It's, it's too easy for us to think we know exactly what the truth is. And then we're ready to measure others by our understanding of the truth. And so they're so sure that Jesus is not the Messiah, that if someone confesses that he is, they're putting them out of the synagogue. And that's exactly what his parents are afraid of. And so they ask his parents to um, what, what's happening. And they say, look, he's an adult. You, you need to ask him. Ask him what's going on, because that's, that's, not, really, that's not really up to us. So for a second time, I'm now in verse uh, 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and they said to him, give glory to God. Now, they're not saying give glory to Jesus here because they don't think Jesus is God. They're saying give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. How interesting. Give glory to God. We know that Jesus is a sinner. And he answered, this is now the man who had been blind. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that I was blind and now I see. I don't know whether or not the man who healed me was a sinner. You religious leaders will have to make that kind of decision. But I know this, I was blind and now I see. They said to him, what, uh, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? A little kudos there to the man who had been blind, standing up for himself. Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple. We are the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, that is the man who had been blind, answered, here is an astonishing thing. And, and I really have to agree with them. This is an astonishing thing. He says to the Jewish leadership, you do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to the one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began, has someone opened the eyes of a person born blind? If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sins and you are trying to teach us. And they drove him out. It's this last portion of this chapter, this last portion of this section of scripture that I think really brings it home for us. What Jesus wants us to hear, even in our day and maybe especially in our day like in our present distress, I want us to hear this next passage. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he answered, and who is he? And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him. And the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, I came into the world for judgment so that those who do not see, excuse me, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely 
We are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. I think what's going on in this passage of Scripture and what I want us all to kind of hear and think about today is that this this idea of sight is not reduced to kind of visible sight. In the same way at the beginning of the passage where Jesus said, I have to work in the light, not in the darkness. Or, or the epistle for today from Ephesians 5 says, we are light, we were darkness. But now as children of the light, we should work towards that, towards the fruit of light. Seeing here is not reducible to literally physically seeing with our eyes. It's metaphorically seeing. It's seeing with our hearts, seeing with our souls, having the eyes of the Spirit. At other times in in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus, Jesus will often say, do you have eyes that can see and ears that can hear? It's it's not a matter of kind of physically these things happening, but it's seeing seeing it spiritually. So the, the Old Testament passage today is from 1 Samuel, and it's a pretty familiar story. Samuel, the prophet, has been called to go and anoint a new king. But the old, the old king, Saul, was still alive. And so his, his first comment back to God is like, no, we can't do that. That'd be too dangerous. Like, I'm not going to anoint a new king because the old king might, might kill me. And God says, don't, don't worry about Saul. I, I've called you to anoint a new king. I want you to go to Bethlehem. I want you to go, you know, to the house of Jesse. And so he does. And Jesse comes and the people come out, and they're all kind of a little disturbed. They're not quite sure what's happening. And all the different sons of Jesse, one after another, they named the first three, and then they say, and the others just, you know, they, he looked at them too. And when, when Samuel saw Jesse's firstborn son, he was, he was tall, and he was big in stature, and he's like, ah, I see. This is the one that, that the Lord will anoint. But God says, no, that's not him. And they go one after another until they're, they're all done. And Samuel's not quite sure what to do. He turns to Jesse and he's like, uh, God hasn't chosen any of these. Do you have any other sons? And he says, well, my youngest, but he's, he's just out watching the sheep. He goes, well, go, go get him. And so David comes in and God says to Samuel, he's the one. And it has this beautiful, there's this beautiful verse there where it says that God sees in ways that mortals don't see. That in ways that humans can't see, God sees. And this is is what I want to to leave you with today. Is that my prayer is that all of us would have eyes to see as God sees. That we wouldn't be kind of the uh, just the religious um, know-it-alls that think we have it right and everyone else has it wrong. That we wouldn't be kind of even kind of armchair specialists thinking, you know, I read something online, so I, I know how viruses work. Like, we need to, to trust in God. Uh, we need to trust in wisdom. And all of wisdom is God's wisdom. I say this to my students all the time. All truth is God's truth. All beauty is God's beauty. 
And all goodness is God's goodness. And so we follow the wise. And God, God gave us common sense. But sometimes we need more than common sense. We need, some, we need specialties. And we have folks who have those things. And so in times like these, when we're faced with a pandemic and, and we need kind of to come together, there's something that as we come to the table today, I, I want you to consider. We say this a lot. In fact, our service started today because we're in the midst of our Serve and Be Served series of Lent. We start with this communal confession. If there's one thing that I think this virus has taught me, even just in this short time, is just how true it is that we are not autonomous individuals, that we are interconnected, that we rely on one another and we belong to one another. We are responsible for one another. That's, that's why we should practice some physical distancing. That's why we should practice some self-quarantining. I get it. If you have a job that requires you to continue to work, I, I'm going to pray for your health and your safety. Uh, I, particularly, you know, if you work in the medical field, if, if you are um, a police officer, or if you're a first responder, if you work at a grocery store even. But the rest of us, we need to put kind of our social calendars on hold, if not for ourselves, for our, our brothers and sisters, for our community. This, this is our opportunity to practice compassion. And it's a pretty easy, straightforward way how to do it. Not, not to worry about ourselves, but to, to be concerned, to show care and compassion for one another, especially for those who are most vulnerable. And I think that's exactly what God is calling us to do. To see as he sees. To have eyes that see. To believe in the truth. To be children of light. I do want us to kind of close this, this section of the service with me reading uh, Psalm 23. I'm going to read it from, again, the NRSV. This is the psalm for the day. And I'm going to read this psalm in faith for us. Because I realize that we might not all be able to feel in our bodies or to existentially somehow have the faith to believe this today. But in faith, I, I want you to hear Psalm 23. Because I do believe that today, this song from ancient Hebrews is God's word for us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. 
If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.